The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metal Gamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material, a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Brian. And I'm Vanessa. And this is episode number 291 of uh, our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so we're trying to get back on a schedule here, and I'm going to work really hard at getting out weekly programs for a little bit, but uh, don't shoot me if I don't, because we all know how it goes. Going to do my best, but we are counting down the weeks to Tsunami Con. So just to kind of remind everybody real quick, that's happening October 20th through 22nd in the great city of Wichita. We're going to be at the uh, Wichita Holiday Inn, Kellogg and Rock. You have a big building right there. Can't miss it. Uh, beautiful venue. It's we, We've been there before. We were there in 2015. So this is a return uh, to that for us and uh, looking forward to it. We've got a lot of games already on the schedule as it's starting to take shape. We've got a, a ton of vendors already signed up. I'm pretty excited at this point to see what kind of event we have in total. But October is going to be here before you know it. So we encourage you to buy your badge now. If you go to TsunamiCon.org, you can find all the linkage that you need to get there. And if you buy it in advance, uh, not only will you have a chance to do things like add merch if you want to to the badge and kind of you know pre-order that way, guarantee that we'll have your, your size of t-shirt available and shit like that, but also you'll have the opportunity to uh, sign up for games if you want to ahead of time. Because uh, at the tail end of August, we will be opening up the uh, early registration for VIGs. And then shortly after that, regular registration so that you can sign up for games. And, you know, just and, and, the, and the schedule will continue to build at that point. So you just kind of got to keep an eye on it. But uh, everybody excited for that? I mean, Brian may not care, but everybody else excited for that? Of course. I'm excited. Brian's all like, Tsunami, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't come to your stupid con. <laughs> no, you've been I've there been. before. I've been. Yes, I've been to it. Always has other shit going on. I'm busy. <laughs> I'll try to make it though. It's been so nice to have you gaming with us, though. I mean, for years you didn't get it. You didn't have the time to really sit down and game with us. And of course, now we're doing it online, so you you can like shut down what you're working on and immediately turn to the other screen or whatever and open up your microphone and get on the on the on the games with us. Yes, the online thing is. Uh, I'm 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 way more available for that than in person stuff. Unfortunately, well, especially since I would need you to drive to Colorado Springs and. I mean, you know, you could afford it. I'm not worried about that. But it would, of course, cut down on our game time and tad. The travel time does cut in. Right. I mean, know. I could work out of the office out there for a while. We have a, an office in Centennial, but... Uh, oh, there yeah. you go. That's pretty close. <laughs> Less than an hour away. Yeah. That would that would work out uh, really nicely. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, it's fucking worth it, right? But I'm going to try to make it to the one here in Wichita this year. Oh, good. That'll be fun. It'd be nice to have you. I know you don't, um, it, and everybody's different. You you don't, uh, you haven't come to the conventions a lot when you did. You came with you there with friends, uh, which obviously you'll still be able to be there with friends. I mean, you know. Right. But, you know, people, gaming with strangers isn't something that you've espoused much interest in. Um, I know that it's actually been a challenge for a lot of us until we get to actually doing it. Yeah, no, I have and to. And then you realize, you know, the, the ice uh, is broken. You're all there to game. The antisocial part of me finds the social part weird. <laughs> And social part is a, definitely a part of tabletop role-playing. You can't get away from that very easily. It is the paradox of our hobby. I had to get into the mindset of, uh, I'm there to game. They're there to game. I'm not there to spend time with friends. I'm there to game. Well, and see, to Good me, that's call. just, that's I don't know, that's weird to me. The whole concept of 
going someplace and just playing a game with a bunch of strangers and then leaving and not seeing. I don't know. It just seems weird. Oh, that doesn't happen. I end up talking to them for years later. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool. It's crazy. They, they become part of your community because mm-hmm. we all online anyway now. So. <laughs> Uh, we've we've become we've made friends through the convention. You know, people we never otherwise would have met, especially those who come from out of town. Obviously, it was it was gaming with strangers at Tsunami Con and outside of Tsunami Con that got me on to here because I gamed with strangers at a local game shop, and so they knew me. They knew Eric. Eric needed someone to be on stage and play in a game, and next thing you know. I, uh, I'm getting drunk on stage. Everybody's having a good time, and <laughs> I'm still here. That's that's an accomplishment right there. That's achievement unlocked. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm kind of a weird or uh, an outlier gamer in the fact that, uh, you know, even, I mean, Eric and I have known each other for a long, long time, but I've never really gone to, like, local game shops. I mean, living in Dodge City, we didn't really, even when we had a local game shop, uh, I never went. Because I I didn't I just didn't care for that sort of thing. I liked the the group of friends that we had. Eric already had a large group of friends that gamed and played together, so I didn't really care to go to the game shop. <laughs> so you you steered away from local gaming shops. Yeah, I've never. Sorry, that's I don't think joke. I've ever been to any of the ones here in Wichita. Well, I mean, it, 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 it just depends on what your deal is, right? I mean, I made some friends through the gaming stores and stuff that I otherwise wouldn't have met, but it wasn't through lack of having people to game with or anything. Uh, out in uh, out in Dodge City, the shops you're talking about were small. Yeah, they you know? were. They were there tiny. There wasn't a huge community collective going on there. There were there were comic book stores that had games in it or whatever. Or there was the magic they were, shop. Yeah, of they course. were they were like focused on Magic the Gathering that sort of yeah, stuff. yeah that stuff. Which you know at the time we were too a little bit. <clears throat> we try not to talk about the dark days, but <clears throat> I I mean it's, it's definitely a part of the culture. It's not necessarily one that I spend a lot of time immersed in either. We have had people on the show like say Joe and Alicia who have spent. All kinds of time gaming in the game stores. You know, that is that became a focus for them. Alicia would run weekly games, sometimes two or three of them, at the local game store. And, I mean, they weren't strangers after a while, obviously, but when she opened up a new game, it was like, see who comes and shows up and wants to play. You know, you just kind of put it out there. Yeah. And then you have yourself a gaming group. And I don't know. It seems like as I've as I've gotten older, uh, I don't know, the online thing appeals to me a lot more. Because it, it's just so much easy. Like you said, it's convenient. It's easier. Uh, and if you take the right steps, like adding webcams and stuff, it feels very similar to sitting around a table or being in there in real life. Uh, with surprising you know, how effective it is. Yeah, and really. and and you lose some Once of the, the disadvantages or some of the negatives that you might have, uh, say like going to a game shop or or things like that. I I mean I miss gaming in person because I don't get to do much of it anymore. There is a you know, I mean most, I'm not gonna lie there's, there's a even even when you do stuff online I think there's you end up missing some of that hum- human sitting at the table uh, interactivity. Sure. Well, um, Tsunami Con, of course, I mean, it's a smaller convention if you've uh, never been. Uh, so, you know, a few hundred people show up, sit down and game all weekend. The nice thing about the smaller game cons is that uh, you, the, the, the uh, one of the cons they always talk about, con of the con, one, one of the cons they always talk about is that you don't have as much selection. And we've really kind of discovered that that isn't overly true at TsunamiCon. We have a very diverse uh, group of uh, game masters that have all kinds of interests. So we usually have a lot of different things on the schedule, which is very cool. You, get to, you, you can always try something new. I mean, I don't think there's any point Absolutely. which you, in any con that, we've, that I've run where you couldn't find stuff on the schedule that I've never 
seen before, which is great. But yes, you know, other than that, it's just it just depends on whether it's your thing. And I mean, it's fun. Obviously, people enjoy it, but it's it's that sense of community I think that that draws me to it now. The fact that there's so many people because I don't get to game at my con anyway. There's so many people that you know that come out and are there to have a good time and there to help you know have a good time with other people. And you sit down, and, and some sometimes you'll sit at a game table, and you'll you'll have that that experience that you dread, where there's somebody at that table that just makes it not a great time, you know, not fun, or somebody annoys you, or just just has a completely different play style, has no interest in taking it serious, or whatever it is that bugs you as a player. But sometimes you'll sit down and just have a fucking magical experience that you would never have had the opportunity to enjoy if you didn't put yourself out there and try it. So you know, it's just a balance of that. Even even at a table that didn't go exactly the way I would have wanted it to, I don't think I've ever stepped away from a table and thought that was a horrible experience. No, and, and we've got such a good vibe. I've never regretted. We've got such a good vibe at this con that people are just genuinely, I think, interested in everybody else's good time, too. I mean, that's that's really kind of what it takes to make a gaming experience work. That's true. Well, and the year, yeah. the year that I, I came, uh, came for it... Uh, it was a really, it's a cool convention. It was when you had it at the Scottish, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a really cool oh, venue. Oh, yeah, that year. Uh, but I didn't play, you know, we didn't, I didn't play in any of the, the RPG stuff. We just did the tabletop because you had the gaming section where you had like board library. games yeah. and stuff. Yeah, we did that, which was fun. Uh, but yeah, no, I've never done the thing where you sit down with a group of people to play like a random RPG for a few hours. I think, were you there the year my brother, one of the years my brother was there too? Got to hang out. I don't he remember. Was there a couple times at the Scottish Rite. Um, Maybe. It was always cool to see people there. that. You know, because Brendan's part of my old old school gaming group. He's actually planning on coming this year. Is he? Um, he's, he's, awesome. He's scheduling a trip to Kansas to see some friends right around that time. And he's going to come out to Wichita and do a guest spot at a tattoo shop there for a while, for like a couple days. And then attend the convention. And he wants to get into some RPGs this year because he used to love it and he's, you know, he's, he has good memories of it, but it's been, it's probably been fucking 30 years, you know, 25 years since he's done it. Uh, you know, I, so I get it. I get the feel. I'll, um, I'll try to guide him towards something I know he'll enjoy. We'll, we'll figure it out. But, but yeah, Tsunami Con's coming up. Uh, TsunamiCon.org, like I said, is where you'll find everything. And, uh, we do have a Discord if you want to drop in, uh, the one for the show and everything that's in the show notes. Uh, you can drop in and uh, talk to us, you know, talk to each other, talk to yourself. All kinds are welcome. We don't judge. So uh, let's talk gaming. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I I invited you specifically this group because, um, well, we had a game yesterday and the game session was a little different than I was expecting going in. I don't know why, um, because you guys, <laughs> I, I shouldn't have expectations with you guys. It's, it's just a waste of my time and energy. But. Um, it was it was kind of fun because uh, it, it was a it was an urban uh, scenario. Your characters were coming into a new city, and I have like encounters kind of planned out. Things that are going to happen in the city that you guys can uh, choose to engage with, or in some cases will likely have no choice but to engage with because there'll be things that happen to you or things that are part of the major quest that you're there for. But uh, I, right from the beginning. I knew that I was going to be throwing the ball into your court and seeing if you guys kick it around or if I had to kick it around for you. And you guys did a pretty good job. It wasn't really any question. I mean, it's always tough, I think, when you're when you're dealing with this kind of environment because the stimulus changes. When you're traveling through the wilderness, there's a kind of a static quality to the environment. You know, you're in a swamp. Everything around you is swampy. 
you know, you're <laughs> you're in a wood forest that's on fire eternally. Everything around you is fiery, foresty. You know, you like can that. tell our paranoia levels are at high level. <laughs> And now we're in a city and we're like, okay, it's bad enough and we don't know where it's coming from. And now it can be coming from everywhere because there are people literally everywhere. The the texture of the presentation changes because you're walking into a town and I'm trying to make sure that you guys have a picture you can paint in your head of some kind. You know, oh, here's the way the town is kind of laid out. Here's the kind of things you see around it. Um, here's where you'll find things. And, and then you want to kind of paint pictures of the street scenes or the... You know, whatever, you know, the establishments. And like, so at some point in Fantasy Grounds, I open up a note and create, start to create a living document of like all the improvised shit that I have to add to keep up with you guys for this session, you know, which is like NPCs and locations. And I mean, I mean, it's great. It's, it's exactly the kind of thing that makes a scenario like this, I think, really kind of come alive because the players are really driving the story. The characters are driving the story. But you don't necessarily have to drive it far for you to come up with constant new information. And um, if, if at any point you guys weren't in that headspace, it would become confusing. I mean, there wouldn't necessarily be much context. So trying to stay there as a group and keep kind of focused on it when we're in the play space, you know, the headspace, was important and, and, and kind of a challenge. And I really found it interesting. I, I, was, it was, I was there yesterday. I was kind of in the zone. That's, sometimes that's not easy. I get, I get really frustrated and intimidated sometimes going into scenarios like this because I know I'm going to have to improvise my ass off. And um, I mean, I don't have to, obviously. I could spend another 20 hours in prep, but let's be realistic. I want to run that game and I want to run the game where I'm improvising my ass off. I just want to do it when I'm good at it. So, you know, game masters, different experiences. I'm sure everybody has a different way of handling things. My daughter, when she runs a game, she starts off in in a scenario where there's going to be like people and stuff by creating huge lists, you know, like here's a list of names and ideas, ideas for NPCs, you know, a nurse named Jacqueline, you know, it's like all these different things. And then she just marks them off. She goes, just checks them off as she uses them up. Um, I I needed something more. Uh, I need more continuity. I need something that's got like because you're going to return, possibly return to that place again and again and again. You know, if I bring a place into the um, play space, if I bring a place into the consciousness of your characters, a location or an NPC, yeah, there's a good chance that you're going to latch onto that if you have the opportunity as some sort of anchor because you're otherwise in a very confused sort of constantly changing environment. So that's important, right? And this is to say nothing of all the places and people that are important to the actual story that you didn't even touch Where on. Where we split the party into five parts. <laughs> and go to all the different locations at the far. same time. And then there's that. The splitting the party <laughs> thing, which I think I had an NPC even recommend twice and you guys went with it. It's like, dude, so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, at this point, there was really no way. And it still weirdly worked out. I mean, there were beautiful, be- just just beautiful moments when you're sitting there. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there in the bar eating meat, which I haven't been able to eat because I've been running around with a vegan all adventure. <laughs> so like you're in a relationship. Clams, <laughs> I don't even consider them as meat. <laughs> clams. You know, I don't even think I've ever had clams. Oh, clams are delicious. I don't even, I don't um, even know. I assume they're salty, like everything out of the ocean, right? 
Uh, it depends. Oh, um, okay. To be fair, I do prefer them fried over fresh. Um, In which case, everything's kind of salty. <laughs> fried. Right. You're doing but, it right. Um, you know, there I am sitting there with uh, mm-hmm, the bird guy. Um, that would be oh Crick. Crick. That would be Crick. Vanessa's Crick character. Thing. Yeah, Crick. <laughs> there I am with Crick. <laughs> doing the thing at the table and and torrent walks in the npc walks in and it's like oh so you guys are keeping an eye on the place totally we're back right. in the corner can hardly see anything going on through all the people in the place <laughs> and it was just hilarious because she sat down and just started she grabbed a drink sat down just started drinking and it was just you could see that as a scene in a in a show you know that was literally just something that happened, and my character ran off and did something else. And part of the the fun of that and challenge was uh, in the role playing is bringing that sense of exasperation. The character, the NPC, had um, was a little kind of put off that the trail led back here to where you guys were already at, and that you guys were like enjoying a meal instead of actually actively doing something, whatever that's supposed to be, you know, because it isn't a rational thing. And so she's perturbed and just like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to sit here and have a drink and we'll just fucking wait on whatever's going to happen. Whatever. And and trying to make sure and get a little bit of that across in the role playing and the description of her actions, her behaviors. We, we got some pretty strong connections out of the whole thing once it was all said and done. You say that. <laughs> pretty sure my character, all they did was embarrass someone. No, no. We're absolutely going to have our goal of opening up a vegan restaurant somewhere here in town. <laughs> And retiring. Goal. That should be the end of the the end of the, the campaign. End of the campaign we'll be right good there. to go. Uh-huh. Um, so the quicker you manage that, the quicker this will be done. Is that the thing? The other country is going to wipe out the mages in the rest of the world, and we'll just be okay down here on the southern tip of the continent. And Ryan will be disappointed, but you know he's used to that from us. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's referring to Ryan Nock, the gentleman who's responsible for writing this schlock. Uh, which isn't schlock it's an amazingly fun adventure i like it wonderful and i look forward to actually doing it (laughs) so the uh so one of the things i needed to get across this was a serious right so here's the deal party comes into town uh they're approached by a, a local who sees them recognizes them from a description of course he does because you guys have a harragon and an aracocra with it not a lot of those running around town here probably even fewer of them together so we put yeah. a hat on the Aarakocra. I don't understand why it's oh, so yeah. obvious. How did he recognize it as a bird guy? That's so weird. But he, so he's, he approaches and says, you know, hey, somebody was looking for you. And then you find out that he was instructed to write a note with your location or something and take it to this certain house in town and drop it off for a person whose name he gave you to. Okay. So um, I needed to convey somehow, because you guys then were you know, kind of like moving forward under the assumption, it seemed, that this was a lone guy keeping an eye out for you guys who was going to report it. So I needed to convey that she has a lot of agents that are charmed oh, yeah, into no, doing I'm this business. to heck right now. Right. So, I mean, the person who is looking for you guys has, has brought a lot of people on board to keep an eye out for you from all over the place. So they're staking out the house, and two agents show up from different directions with conflicting reports of your location. I thought that was great, because the one guy just wasn't that smart, so he thought he saw you guys somewhere else because he saw Haragon and went, that's the group. 
And uh, then you end up uh, following both agents. That's was another split the party moment. <laughs> okay, yeah. it works. Um, so so yeah, uh, that, and, and then of course uh, I was like, what kind of places do I want to send them that are different and off the beaten path? So one was a tavern, which you guys wouldn't have been looking into if you had uh, not had a reason to, if only because you're uh, your uh, meat hating wizard slash leadery guy in the group was like, no, under no circumstances, no, and not going in there, no. And just to make it more annoying, I, I named the place the Meat Palace, but <laughs> which I don't I don't usually get it's silly. M E E T, right? Yeah, it was actually M E T E. He's like like if you ask the oh, it's like even me- worse. Meeting okay. out justice, you know. <laughs> Mete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was just fun, and you guys do bring out a little bit of silly in me. And then the uh, other uh, person that you guys followed took you to a gentleman's club. More or less, uh, a high rollers club, you know, private institution. And so here we have this entire session, no combat, by the way. We had like a five hour session that shit was actually happening in. I mean, it didn't really bog much, no combat, because it was all um, role playing and determining your next move. And, you know, you get to town and you meet this person, you do that, and you kind of either you get approached by a guide, and then you guys have suspicions about the guide, and so you like send him off on a wild goose chase or something. You do this kind of like following around, you know, doing your own investigation of this thing that you heard about, and takes you different directions, which were kind of inconclusive, it turned out. But then uh, one of my favorite moments, because I love picking on Brian with shit like this, and have always enjoyed doing this, Brian will know. Uh, his straight-laced, stone-faced, stoic paladin gets assigned ever so briefly to take the place of the armsman for this noblewoman, who then immediately turns and starts hitting on his character. <laughs> and I loved everybody's funny. reaction because her first Nero her was first more disturbed line, than th- about that than oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her first provocative line was, "You know, my husband is never around," <laughs> and everybody's reaction was so good. And Nira, of course, was losing it. <laughs> but it was funny. Nira has left the chat. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was also, um, I feel like I worry sometimes with you, Brian, because your character is so quiet. Right. He's so closed mouth. And I know you're looking for more opportunities because you do interject them now. But it, it seems like it's it's hard for you to find opportunities to like actually role play Galt, which... Well, the less time you get to do that, the less you get to kind of work on his personality and how he, you know, it relates with the group. Like you said, well, he's like you said, he's silent and stoic and solemn. So he doesn't say a whole lot, which like I said, having not gamed with uh, a lot of these people, but having gamed with Eric, I'm sure Eric can tell you that usually my characters are pretty talkative. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and sometimes they can be kind of annoying. <laughs> Depending on the character, uh, um, or a first, yeah. or a, no, I want to say a forced person out. Like uh, I think of Taloon and people like that, Dimitriax. Uh, but uh, Galt, no, characters that have a lot of personality. Yeah, absolutely. Galt is. It's not that he doesn't have personality. It's that his personality is, like you said, quiet, reserved, solemn, judging, looking. <clears throat> if he was gone, we would know it. Uh, you know, I mean, there were several times during the, the session yesterday where I, the player, wanted to say something, and I'm like, uh, it's not really Galt's style to say anything here. So, yeah, I just remained quiet throughout, even though the player was sitting there going, oh, no, this is dumb. 
I think there's uh, times you gotta find. I I would if I were your sister, try to find ways to remind everyone, maybe through describing behaviors, right, of your presence more. Because I feel Shouldn't like Galt is a presence that nobody could miss. Kind of like Richard was just intimating, right? Yeah. It's like the answers because he's, he's a grunts and nods and because he's a he's a he's a tall, imposing figure in the midst of this party. You know, and he's older. He's, there's a certain gravitas to him that I, I think old virgin. you want to come through. You know, <laughs> he doesn't know if he's a virgin or not. <laughs> if he does, probably. does it make it you better? He doesn't, probably not. He doesn't he's remember. A <laughs> probably not. But who knows? He doesn't remember. The last um, I don't know what's it, what's it been last six months or a year or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was according to your character's backstory, but I mean, it's like you've been with the Order of the Aquiline Cross, so probably hasn't been a lot of room for. Relations. Right. 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 Just missions. But I was going to say on that whole stoicness, um, if you do actually pop up to say something, that will be that silent Bob moment. <laughs> right. Where <laughs> you actually say something, we're all like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I, feel like, or I feel like Galt, <laughs> you know, he is, is, is the catchphrase has been sorcery, but it, you know, it's kind of, I am Galt. <laughs> I am well, Galt. Right. And he, uh, but but like scenes like the one where you guys were a couple sessions ago, where you determining Haddon's fate, right? And, and everybody were like asking involved. me what I should, what what we should do with him, and and I was like, well, do we break? You know, does he need his hands? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I I think we were more worried that if we crossed the line, Galt would not be happy with us. Well, I wouldn't have let you kill him. Knowingly. Right. I mean, I couldn't stop you from killing him if I walked away That's or whatever, but... Still came down to a coin flip. I, st- really I was still did. surprised that Crick didn't go back and do it. My my character still doesn't know if he was killed or not. Right, right. And in fact, I think your character kind of assumes that he was, didn't, didn't he? Yeah. It, would, you know, it went against his beliefs and his morality to let us just cold, you know, cold blood murder the guy. But, by the same token... You know, he was obviously a deterrent and, you know, not a good guy either. So while Galt wasn't wasn't going to sign off on murder, he definitely saw him as a threat. And either we needed to stop, you know, traveling with him or, you know, remove the threat without removing his life. That's why I was why he was asking, like, you know, does he need his hands? Because, you know, you can live without your hands. <laughs> so cold. you can feed yourself. So you can live without hands. You it would have stopped him from casting spells and being a wizard, so, you know. Mind control's non-consensual, so. Ultimately, you did not, however, mutilate or kill him. Nope, we just left him. That was an interesting choice. He'll be back. My character still thinks Jess might be. <laughs> might be Haddon? Him, yeah. Oh, with all the mind control stuff. Yeah, good point. No, it could be. Yeah. Although I, I, I didn't actually notice him controlling more than one person at a time previously, so she'd be more powerful, and we can't let her live. Oh, that seems rather dark. I mean, just making that determination right now. Jess, you don't know why she was looking for you. No, 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 no. She I'm, may be I looking mean, for I'm you sure to give you some kind of trophy. <laughs> completely tearing up people's well, we lives and making them lose their jobs because she wants <laughs> to know where we're at. That, I'm sure. That could just we don't be poor mind. judgment. <laughs> we, we don't even know who she is, though, do She we? probably no. wants us to fill out our census right. paperwork. Right? No, no Sir, idea. Sir, we've been trying to reach you about your census paperwork. I already <laughs> filled it out three months ago. Go away. Go now, here's an interesting trend I saw come up a couple times in the session yesterday. 
uh, and we started this game back last summer, and then we had a big break in there. The initial um, section of the campaign took place in the character's home city of Gate Pass, which was a uh, in the War of the Burning Sky. This is the where the adventure starts. The first uh, entire um, little quest takes place inside of Gate Pass and trying to escape Gate Pass uh, during the midst of an invasion, uh, which was cool and interesting, but it really didn't apply much to your character's experience because, I mean, the characters were actually in the town for all of, like, 36 hours and then on with the adventure. But this is supposedly your character's home, your, where, where your characters are from, or a place that they have some sort of fidelity to, at least in the terms of its resistance to the larger threat waning from the north. And yet yesterday I started to hear people, the characters talking about how it wasn't such a great place to live. You know, it's like, I thought that was kind of an interesting development. It's like, are we going to, are we going to turn into these characters don't actually care about Gate Pass as just kind of a means to an end? I guess I care about the people, but boy, growing up in the slums, I don't have a great view of it. That makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, did, uh, well, I, that's not important. We could talk about this, but I was going to say, it suddenly, it suddenly sparked, you know, questions in my, you know, my, my game master brain about what, what that comprised of or what we can do with that. But, uh, I mean, you've, you, your character has talked a little bit about his background. I mean, I, and I actually have yeah. tried to actively bring that out some with NPCs. I've not had a good opportunity to until this last session. Again, you know, a chance for an NPC to sit down and go, hey, so, you know. Who are you and what makes you famous? broke. (laughs) My power went out for half a second and everything was offline. Oh, yeah. That was terrible timing. Fucking pissed me off. (laughs) the worst. But some people, like, say, Brian's character um, has a level of amnesia. Right. And so wouldn't really know about his own past. He might actually learn more about his past by something him asking him questions and alluding to things that they know about whatever. Um, Maybe we could fix it with sorcery. <laughs> I would be hard-pressed to guess, Vanessa, what Crick's responses to any kind of interrogation regarding his background would be. Because I don't know what you decided, if yeah, anything. I have no idea. Yeah, you never... you kidding, I'd make it up in the moment. And that's what I'm curious about, uh, <laughs> because that's what I want. If it's appropriate, I want you guys to be able to improvise that stuff. Yesterday, John did a good job. He was a little thrown at one time when I threw something at him, but he seemed to pick up the thread... Most of the time when he was interacting with something um, that, that uh, when I brought it up, made it seem like something that we had discussed in the past or was part of his character backstory, we hadn't discussed it. Like the guy who owned the other restaurant. It had never <laughs> come up funny. before. I just was yeah. like, you know, you know that voice from the guy from across the street. And he just went with it. And that was a blast. Uh, that was really fun to, to engage in, you know. But when you get into that level of improvisation as a player, you've got a completely open field because you can say and do whatever comes to mind that you think will fit within the context of your role playing in that moment. And, you know, if we haven't discussed it ahead of time, who am I to say, well, that doesn't make sense? Um, not to mention, you know, there's a lot of ways to deal with that as a game master. You don't have to take the player character's word for gospel either. They could be lying. But also the fact that uh, that level of improv creates a new level of continuity. So uh, I, I hope that if he was saying things about this, that, or the other, that John was sitting there writing it down, which he probably was in this case. 
because you know it could come up again later and you want to have that information on hand because you just made up new backstory for your character and it might matter and if you gave it to me it's gonna fucking matter because <laughs> that's what makes it fun yeah, yeah. um hey so uh i was thinking about applying to run games at dnd in a castle in the uk have you guys seen that dnd in a castle thing it's oh, like a, it's a it's like a ridiculous luxury uh, event, you know, where you buy, you spend thousands of dollars on a ticket uh, for a weekend, basically a castle that's that's obviously a, a bed and breakfast at a castle, and um, has like D and D games going on and stuff all the time and other activities. You pick your. It's all uh, inclusive, though. You you yeah, pay and it's, then it's everything. You you spend three grand and you got your whole weekend, you know, food and sleeping and everything, accommodations. Well, four grand. That's not bad, but. I, I found out in a recent video that I think it was Jenny D did that uh, you the the game masters are invited. You know, I was like, and then they cover your travel expenses and everything. I'm like, oh, dude, I just need like a million more followers, and I'm a shoe in because <laughs> I think my bio otherwise looks fantastic. <laughs> so like and share so a lot. Share. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I got a little bit of reach. Yeah, maybe more than the average game master, but not probably enough for them to care. But I might do the application anyway, because, you know, why the fuck not, right? It's the worst they can say, no. But that's yeah. one of those um, interesting situations. That the way they set it up is you are brought on as a game master for a certain kind of like, for a certain weekend, right? And then people who want to buy tickets to the event get to browse the game masters and the weekends available and decide where they want to be, whose game they want to be in. And once you're paired up, your game master is given the opportunity to communicate with the group a couple weeks out. And you start setting up stuff for your game that way so that character decisions and setting decisions and stuff, all that all that stuff is done and uh, generated so that when you get to the castle and sit down at your table, you can just play, which I think is brilliant. But <laughs> to me, that's just a, that is a recipe for a serious improv disaster. And I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, yeah, it'd be fun to run a game uh, in a, an environment like that, but also kind of ridiculous. I, I love the idea, but I would never. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I I've grown up in in moderate poverty, <laughs> middle class poverty. <laughs> I, I, there's there's no way I could not even even in the you know, without without you know suddenly coming into a lot of money, I could never justify spending that kind of money on a luxury ticket to an event like that. I just couldn't. But gosh, it would be fun. <laughs> I've looked fun at RPG PM. cruises too, and that also looks super fun, but insanely expensive. Yeah, and I'm not sure how they handle GMs for stuff like that. Um, no idea. I thought about doing cruise stuff before. My brother and I had uh, talked about doing because he because he's had like opportunities uh, if he wanted to do like tattooing on cruise ships and stuff like that. That sounds but, dangerous. Um, I would think I think it would be fun to do. We we had thought about doing like a blues cruise or something where you like sign up as one of the bands, mm -hmm. and so your you know your expenses are paid for on the trip and stuff, and and you get to jam you know regularly through the trip, uh, and just otherwise enjoy the boat you know whatever I don't know I I've never had this you know glaring need in my life I don't have this hole in my life the size of a cruise you know you know what I'm saying. <laughs> It's not. It's not something I've ever thought. I would love to <laughs> go on another cruise. But I, I, I think I would enjoy cruises. the shit out of it, but I don't. I don't feel this powerful need for it. I. I do have a kind of a weird fascination with boats, but I don't think cruise ships count because they're more like I moving fucking I, cities. If, if you I go call on a cruise, cruise again, ship a boat, you'll probably piss off everyone on the ship. True. True. <laughs> 
But I would love to do that thing where I end up on a cruise ship with a whole bunch of people I know, and we could play role-playing games yeah. for a long-duration cruise and just even have if that's a great what you were doing, still entertain ourselves. Yeah, even if that's what you were not like, not like a themed cruise necessarily, even, but just going with your friends on a, something like that where you get to game the whole time. A yacht would be nice too, but smaller boats make me seasick. Well, no, I meant, I meant cruise ship. I still meant a cruise ship. But like, take your no, friends on just a yacht would be cruise. nice because you'd have your cable a yacht? locked oh. in. It's just gotcha. yours. Uh, no, Joe, Joe and Alicia have done water. that, where they've gone on um, with, with with friends. You know, took a couple, three friends with them and um, ran games while they were on the ship. Yeah, you know, just just something to do. Um, I don't know. Because I've never had the experience, I don't know how I would spend my time exactly. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a take my shirt off at the beach kind of guy. So not necessarily something I, I need in my life, I guess. But I think it'd be fun Two to experience. I want to experience all, everything once, you know. What's that? Two words: drink package. Drink, and I don't <laughs> drink really that much. There's something about being oh fucking diabetic or something. It just kind of kills it. Tea and water is free. <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, obviously, uh, if I if I could get the kind of wrangling invite to D and and Castle, and everybody listening should uh, get on their site and recommend me, then I, I try to try drag Jonica with me because you know, with the regular stuff, you can get an accompanying partner for a certain amount of money. It would cost a little bit of money, but then we could, of course, at least take a trip to the UK on somebody else's time. Largely, I think that would be fun. Hang out in Castle for the weekend. I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I've I've not been out of the country since I was a kid. And that's, you get to a certain age and that feels like a failure somehow. You know, I was like, I just don't get to fucking go anywhere. Um, but I was born in Europe. So it's, there's always the kind of the sense that I could go other places. I mean, but if you ever known anybody that moves like out of the country, it's like suddenly that sort of stuff doesn't become a big deal. You know, like to me, it feels like an insurmountable thing. The idea of a trip to like, you know, England or Germany or any place like that is just like a huge undertaking right so much money involved and so much work and trying to figure out what you're going to do how you're going to spend the time and get the most out of it and all these things right whereas you know you like my brother has a friend who moved to ireland like a couple years ago and so now going back and forth in the states is just no big deal to them because it's part of life they got family in the states they got family in ireland um or you like you meet people you like who are in like there were students a lot of international students when i was driving uber in wichita uh, that would uh, get a chance to talk to that were from like India and Sri Lanka and places like that, Kenya. And you get to talk to them. It's like, you know, they, they go back regularly, you know, so you get on a plane for 85,000 hours and wait, you know, wait in line at airports and it's just not a big deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cost, you know, <laughs> drop like $1,500 on that flight. Big deal. Like, Wow. I wish I had the amount of money that that's necessary for that to not be a big deal. I think, you know, and I think part of it is is a question of how you prioritize things in your life, right? That's fair. You know, it's, I don't know. I don't want to hammer on that, but it's it would be fun to me to travel more. And especially having give, given the chance we've had over the years to connect with uh, listeners all over the world, a chance to go somewhere else and meet other gamers. Or even go to some of these big cons in Europe and stuff would be fun. But I don't know. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, this, this last session was really interesting. I, I definitely enjoyed it and I want to see where it goes next week because it's going to get crazy real fast. You guys are good at, uh, getting yourselves into a pickle, I think. I mean, that makes it more fun, right? Theoretically. <laughs> Certainly more fun for me. That's the goal for everyone to have fun. <laughs> 
True. Uh, so I think we're going to have a game day soon. I'm going to announce it. This, by the time this drops, I'm sure it'll already been announced. Um, we're looking at uh, the 12th of August. I'm going to try to come down to Wichita for it. It'll be a game day at the borough where you know, we'll have scheduled games up front. We'll get to hang out. and It'll be my birthday, so I'll probably try to bring birthday cake and uh, see if Eli can come out because her birthdays are on the same time. We always have fun doing that, um, although, again, not a lot of drinking in my case. But, you know, still worth coming to town for. Yes. I'll probably, you know, drag, I'll drag Johnny Garnier with me or somebody. And just, I look forward to seeing people. You know, I, I want to get I want to get down there and spend a lot of time. Because every time I have to, every time I go to Wichita for something lately, or any time I go to Kansas, it's some specific thing I'm there for. And then I got to turn around and head back. So it isn't the same. Don't really get to visit. 16 but. hours of driving and you barely got to say hi. That's... That's the way it is, unfortunately. But um, I, I definitely uh, think it's time we start thinking about, you know, it, it, what kind of uh, uh, game convention we want this year in terms of how we are promoting it to people and how we're getting people involved. Uh, we got a lot of promotional opportunities coming up here in the weeks ahead. Uh, there's going to be a, an event at McConnell, which obviously is, is for the, you know, the people on base, but. There's going to be an event at McConnell like on the 19th, uh, like a Comic-Con. There's going to be some gaming going on there. I'm, I'm working on seeing if we're going to have a presence there because the the guy kind of organizing it reached out to me and we, we've been kind of talking about it, but it's been an inconsistent communication, you know, just because like a lot of other shit going on. And I'm right. sure he's a busy guy. I know what it is to run a con. Um, and this is their first time doing it. So there's all, a lot more stress involved when you, you know, it's all new. But there, there's that, and then ICT Comic Con is coming up at the end of the month, you know, which you know I, I'm going to see if uh, we can get maybe have a presence there. I have to see what a booth costs, um, and I may need volunteers. If you got any, you guys feel like volunteering to to promote the con, uh, Lynn will be out. I think at every event probably to sell tickets, everything. But other than that, just hanging out. But I, I really, we need to find a way to get the word out. We need to find a way to let people know about what this event is. Uh, because reaching our core community is not a challenge at this point. You know, our core community has already done a bunch to support this year's convention. And I'm super stoked about that. And we got a lot of new people that back the Kickstarter and have been communicating with us and are starting to buy badges and stuff or, or list games to run, which is really neat. But it's really important that we... Um, find a way to bring, I think, new attention to the convention if we want it to continue growing, if we want it to continue, period, because I, I can't lose a bunch of money on it. If we do that, it, it won't it won't be happening again. But right now, we're in a good place. And I, I feel like if we can just get the word out and teach people what this event is like, because I think people hear gaming convention and they just don't, if they, if they don't do this as a hobby, they don't have a picture in their head. Uh, and, and that's fair, because I think the first time I heard of gaming conventions, I didn't have a good picture in my head either, and I actually am a gamer. You know, the the truth is, it's a fun, family-friendly event, you know, and with all the board gaming and stuff and the library games we have available and all the people there that, are, that know games or want to share games they love, there's plenty to do, but I could sit here and talk about it for an hour on my podcast, and nobody's going to learn a damn thing because the 73 people that are listening to me on my podcast already know <laughs> out of that 68 of them are going to be there <laughs> you know it's just <laughs> right. I, I, those numbers aren't real by the way we, we do a lot we do a little a tad bit better than that <laughs> but the point is you know I, I think um you know especially if you're listening and you have any ideas uh you, you can help us get the word out or you know share it you know think about 
think about bringing people to the convention that you know you've never been before but you think might enjoy it or you might like to you know bring in and uh, enjoy gaming with introduce it to you know, especially getting people into the hobby is always fun it doesn't have to become this huge time sink or monetary sink in order to uh, be something you enjoy on a regular or semi-regular basis but it either way you know like I mentioned my brother he's not a gamer by trade anymore and he'll come out to a gaming event and have a blast so anybody can most anybody can and uh, I I don't know how much we'll have to cater to kids because it depends on how many kids we think are actually going to be showing up to do stuff. It's it's hard sometimes to put that together. Mostly it's volunteers that are tough. Um, and our our community we have some we have some great volunteers, but we don't ever have enough for everything that we want to do, and that that happens. I mean, that's a that's a thing. But, um, I don't really have anything special. Is there anything you guys wanted to talk about tonight? I mean, we've got a. We got all that stuff coming up. We got the game we're doing on Saturday, which has been really fun. We're still in the desert on Tuesday night, but we're gonna have a hiatus coming up then too on that. I I had an opportunity and I finally acquiesced to playing in a three five game. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the game Vanessa's husband is running. Yeah. I'm in the middle of creating a three five barbarian and I'm like, ah. I I I know it's been a long time since I've done three five. Actually, I don't even know if I specifically did three five three five proper because I know I played a lot of Pathfinder back Which is right. similar. when I was playing. Which, yeah, yeah. It's very Which similar, is very, very similar, similar. Uh, but different. And uh, so I went and I dusted off at Hero Lab. I found found my keys still work, so that's good. That's awesome. Um. But I don't have the three five OGL, so I had to get that going. I only seem to have the core books, and I don't know if that's all they have of three five. I certainly have a lot more Pathfinder than I do three five. There were but we a have lot a ton of, of books. There were a lot of splat books and stuff, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. So you might look so if I you want to get a clue. Actually, you might look on um, DM's Guild on the website that our oh, that drive through drive through RPG I, runs. Why do I forget that? Because um, they have, even though they don't do, even though there's no official, like, PDF products for 5th edition, they have uploaded a lot of PDF products from previous editions that are available for sale. And you might find a bunch of 3.5 stuff on there. I haven't actually tabulated that or anything. Well, I mean, I I have the books. Like, I have I have the actual 3.5 books. I just don't have the resources in Hero Lab. Oh, in Hero Lab specifically. Oh, in Hero That's Lab is a little yeah, tougher yeah. to write custom stuff up in, too. Kind of pain. Uh, that's a good. It really is. That's a good it really question. Is, but it's doing all the math for me, and I was able to work out a barbarian. I um, think I have a lot of three five stuff in there either, because at the time we were doing Pathfinder when when Hero Lab was a sponsor for the show, and uh, so I've got a ton of Pathfinder stuff. Yeah, but that they yeah. that they gave me I as have a all sponsor. The Pathfinder stuff. Um, Mostly I used it for Savage Worlds. So. It was. Uh, like, um, I also found a cool website, uh, dys- dyslexic-character sheets, that has Pathfinder 1 and 2 and um, 3.5 and something else, character sheets. The The font's dyslexic-friendly. It lets you pick a color. You tell it what class you are, and it brings up a character sheet that's more geared towards what your class is going to need on the character sheet instead of the base, a little bit for everybody sheet, um, which I kind of wanted to do, but then I'm like, I don't want to fill this all in. I think I'm just going to go back to Hero Lab and pay for the OGL. <laughs> sure. 
Well, a basic. So. I think a basic version is available just with Hero Lab, isn't it? You guys, you got to pay for like the books or something. Well, the yeah, yeah, twenty five dollars. They have the three five OGL. Okay, okay, okay. I got you, got you. Uh, so you still buy basically buying. But that's the all I found. Now. That's all I see for it. On the other hand, uh, what was it? Pathfinder. I think I had to download something extra from another site because they couldn't do something directly to get the additional stuff for the other books I had. So right, I. I don't know if I, there's a resource I'm missing on that, but yeah, I'll cross that bridge. Johnny, I have a good character I really like. He's uh, oh, did you say a barbarian? <laughs> That's a little different for you. <laughs> I've done barbarians before. I just haven't done a barbarian at your table. I'm trying um, to think, yeah, which is weird. Mostly because I've fallen in love with five uh, E spellcasters, um, and warlocks, particularly the warlock, but. Yeah. I'm what a, looking what a forward good to 3.5. I'm looking forward to not going into a spellcaster. I've got enough trying to remember how the skills work. <laughs> it's kind of a pain. Uh, set up, anyway. It was kind of a pain. Once you were there, it wasn't, it wasn't harder My than My animal else, handling but. is plus 21. I'm like, boy, I just need to remember this economy of scale, too. Yeah, um, that thing that 5e does called bounded accuracy didn't exist back then. Right. So. right. <laughs> Math was a thing. <laughs> Lots of math is a thing. I actually used to use a utility to run my third, third, third edition games, my 35 games, uh, called uh, DM Genie. That I was a, that. Yeah, a big thing for I a while for that. us. Yeah, it was just a utility somebody made using the you know the OGL you know as a foundation for the material that they, they could offer on there, and it had a great campaign management um, tool set in it, and combat management a little bit. It even had the ability to bring maps up and uh, counters on my little map on my screen behind it, so I could run. Battles here, even while I was running three feet or the mind at the table. You know, and kind of keep track of everybody. It was pretty cool. Well, but, the game I'm going to be running is going to be solidly in Savage Worlds because... Dude. Savage Worlds. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's just no reason to do those kinds of headaches. NPCs I mean, I realize, are a dream. I realize Justin's been running 3rd edition for a long time. That's That's been kind of what he's been doing and has, yeah. hasn't wanted to change up. So yeah. when it's what you're used to, it's not a big deal. I got to the point where I had well, to run with the utility because running the game without it, running the game on paper, was not worth the headache of all the math to do, figure would, shit out and the way it's bogged down everything. Right. I would still rather run in 3.5 under someone who knows 3.5 right. than run 5th edition under someone who doesn't know any of the rules. Yeah. So I I'm get that. There's a whole process to that especially when you're trying to run a cohesive game and keep everything organized with a bunch of uh, strong-minded players. Well, and third good, edition, we'll Pathfinder, there's a heavy level of system <laughs> mastery involved too, and you, you, the players were really rewarded for knowing the game. And the <sighs> game master was really subject to a lot of what the, the rules were in the player's hands. Uh, so it, it was a very different gaming experience. You know, Fifth edition was a lot like stepping back to my earlier gaming days where... The game master had a lot of autonomy in how the rules were interpreted. Um, things were a little simpler across the board. Sometimes I, you know, I can miss that level of system dynamic, that crunchiness, but not a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm still Third looking forward to this because crunchy. Justin playing with Justin is going to be more interesting because with the other group I would have played with, the decision I made with this character was to not go ahead and get. Um, I can't remember what it's called. There's a thing that basically doubles your range of um, 
where you can get critical hits in. And so if you're using oh, a Faustian, yeah, the improved critical which hit. is yeah, already critical. 18 to 20, mm-hmm. if I took that feat, Makes it 16 to I would or something. 15 to 20. 15 to 20, yeah. If I rolled a 15 to a 20 on my D20, it would be a critical. And I'm yep. like, hmm, that's great. But if I take this animal handling thing in his world, I'm going to get more play out of it because I'm going to do the crazy thing where I do the whole um, Johnny Bravo interacting and talking to animals because he's too slow to actually deal with people. <laughs> well, the Criticals, too, in 3rd Edition, they do the Confirm roll, right? Yeah. So. Justin yeah. doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, Justin doesn't, so, so 15 to 20 does just automatically be crit. Interesting. So so 18 to 20 will be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's, bad, that's where, uh, like I said, I have the, I have I don't have to eke every inch of performance out of my character to survive a fight. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to creating a character I can play the character in, but well, still survive a fight. You'll have to let us know. Um, I'm... I, I mean, I, if you don't hear from me, it didn't go well. I didn't. I don't ask a lot from Vanessa about how the how the the games go that aren't our games, you know, because like it's hey, not Vanessa, my business. Hey, Vanessa, talk about your husband but, on the air. Well, and there no. is that too, you know. If, if there's anything to be judgy no. about, Justin's not no. here to defend himself. And, you know. Yeah, we don't do that. And we probably don't want to get to go down that rabbit hole necessarily. Not necessarily. But uh, you know, as long as you have a good time, that's all that matters. Frankly, so I'm not married uh, to him, so I could talk about it. <laughs> hey, that's legit. Oh, he don't I listen to anyway. a different house altogether. <laughs> yeah, I assume he doesn't listen. Vanessa, do you no. listen? Okay. Uh, do I listen to every once in a while? Wow, weird. Seems like I mean, I, I assume Richard listens to every episode he's on or used to. I, I don't listen as much as I used to. It depends on how much time I have and what I'm doing, it depends on how much I'm in the car. I listen to stuff when I'm in the car because I don't like being alone. <laughs> and listening to talking things like audiobooks and podcasts, it feels like I'm not alone. <laughs> nice. I, uh, I picked up a bunch of RPG stuff on Fantasy Grounds recently when they had their big sale. The here summer sale? Week, yeah, here a week oh, or two yeah? ago. Yeah, I've, I rounded out my Starfinder stuff, so I'm all ready to do a Starfinder game at some point. Uh, well. Yes. Yeah? You, you like that <laughs> idea? Uh, okay, I've been curious, but I never not enough to actually buy the books. I've well, played a few one shots, so I don't know how you. character building I bought goes, all of but... them, so you don't need any of them. <laughs> uh, but honestly, the one that I'm really I bought a bunch of that I'm really I, I like Starfinder, and I want to do something with it. the one I'm really falling in love with is Shadow of the Demon Lord. Oh hell yeah! Oh my god, it's such a cool fucking setting. Robert <laughs> Schwab's looks, metal fantasy game. And it's It the looks rules really are, cool, but I don't know anything about it. The rule okay. it's a very rules light system. Like at first I thought it was going to be difficult and complex, but actually it's it's easy. It's simple. It's a lot simpler than 5th edition. It's very I mean, if you can play 5th edition or if you've played 5th edition, it's going to feel very familiar, but it's easier. It's so much easier. It's it it's very simple as far as dice rolls and and that sort of stuff. There are no feats. The way they do magic is interesting. Uh, but just the setting is fucking cool. I'm, I'm reading through all of the different... The main core book talk it, like touches on the setting, but it's uh, he's got a bunch of supplements that go into much deeper depth. But it's just... Yeah, it's a badass setting. <laughs> I guess I can't really say that without really going more into it, can I? <laughs> I understand it's a very lethal game system, though. You know, I think it, it, it can be for... 
So the way he the way he's designed it is you start at level zero as a starting character, and the the philosophy is is like it's not a game focused on every moment of role playing. Like in between adventures, whether you're traveling from point A to point B, you're not really meant to. I mean, you can, but you're not meant to focus on the group around a campfire or whatever. It's adventures are memorable flashpoints of your life, and the other you know the mundane stuff. While you're allowed to make that up or role play that out, that's not the focus of the game. The focus of the game is adventures and you gain a level, you gain levels. There's no like monsters aren't worth experience points or anything like that. It's more like milestone leveling. Mm -hmm. And there are only 10 levels in the game. So when you hit level 10, you're done. There's no more to it. And the idea is that every, if you're going to run a campaign, there is a set end to your game. Like your game is going to only going to last. You're going to run like 10 or 12 adventures and then you're done. And the idea is that your characters get to level 10 and you have fulfilled your campaign. And the campaign is, is that the world is ending. It's, 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 it's not post-apocalyptic. It's pre-apocalyptic. The shadow of the shadow of the demon Lord, the shadow in the void, this ancient all encompassing evil. There is something that's happening that you are in the last days of the world. And it's different. Every game you run, like, Maybe the shadow takes place as a star that appears on the horizon that's eventually going to turn into a comet that's going to destroy the planet. Or maybe that comet's going to awaken the ancient dragon, you know, housed under a giant mountain that will destroy civilization. Maybe it's the fall of civilization itself that's it's slowly Ragnarok. over the course. It's yeah. some mystery, yeah. Yeah. And you as players, you can't kill the demon lord. You're not going to kill the big bad, but maybe you can stop it for a while. Maybe you can postpone it. Maybe you can keep the world from ending sort of thing. But it's, yeah, at level zero, you don't have a class. You don't pick, you're not like, I'm going to be a wizard or a thief. You're just a level zero whoever. You pick your race, your ancestry. You're a farmer. Yeah, yeah, you're a farmer, <laughs> you're a, you're a merchant. we talking about Wheel of Time before we started this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of your starting adventure... like it. At the end of Season your, two's dropping soon. <laughs> by the end of your starting adventure, you are what they call a novice. You're a level one character, a starting character, uh, a novice adventure, a novice character. You pick your class, you pick your path, your first path. Your 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 first and there's four to pick from. You can choose to be a priest, a magician, a fighter, or a, a rogue. And then hey, how classic! Yeah, and then on second level you gain some more stuff, and then third level you pick what they call your expert path, which is a there's a whole sec basically extra classes that open up. Like you could choose to be a wizard instead of a magician, but there's nothing keeping you tied to what you picked. Like if you chose to be a warrior, you don't have to continue along the paths of, you could, uh, you know, if, if the role-playing dictates it, you can choose to be a cleric. You could choose to be a wizard. You could choose, you know, and right. every... so it's a tech tree. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I like that. And, a build system. And yeah. and then at level seven, you choose your master path, and and by the master level, there are tons of different, different things you can pick from, right? There's so many different combinations of character classes that you can so pick. So lots of customization. Yeah, in someone I, I read somewhere that it's like ten thousand different combinations of character classes and abilities that you can add up. Oh, cool! But the idea is there's lots of tables associated with everything. That if you do die, if your character dies, you know, next session uh, or maybe even that session, if you're if you can get it written up quickly enough, because it's a fairly quick process. 
you come back with a different character, but at the same level, and you can pick a different class. You know, you can you can get to play around with different sure the different sure. things. Uh, it, Just like we generally do with D and D. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, like I said, level zero characters are squishy. Uh, but in theory, yeah, getting past a level zero adventure can be kind of tough. If you make it past that, though, I've noticed that the higher level you get, the more capable the characters are Interesting. In, in doing their... But the setting is just really cool and, like you said, metal. <laughs> I'm sold. Uh, so so um, you have a decision to make, Brian, because we're going to ask you to run a game... You're going to have to decide which game. <laughs> right. I think I want to do Shadow of the Demon Lord. I, I want to do Starfinder, but I think I want to do Demon Lord first. I'm just going to point out that your description of that sounded awesome. So I went to drive through RPG and went, hey, how much does this cost? Oh, I've already bought it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. <laughs> that's the thing. It's a cool system. I like it. Well, uh, if you uh, have anything you'd like to add to the conversation... Feel free to drop us a line. Feedback at prismaticsunami.com is the best way to do that. That's feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Send us an email, and as long as I like it, I'll read it on the air. Uh, or I'll get Jesse on the show to read it on the air, one or the other. And then uh, if you you know, uh, are interested in talking to us uh, more directly, you can always get on our Discord and uh, spend a little time with us there. Also, you know, TsunamiCon, TsunamiCon, TsunamiCon. You get the picture. So I'm going to go ahead and get on out of here. Thank you so much, guys, for spending a little time with me today. I very much appreciate it. Um, then thank you guys for listening to uh, Metagamers Anonymous episode 291 my name is Eric I'm Rich I'm Brian and I'm Vanessa thank you have a good night